This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra. Now, people don't normally think of Dallas, Texas, as having had a big part in the labor movement, but I can tell you about a couple of times that Dallas, Texas changed the way labor was treated in the entire nation. The first one was on August the 8th in 1940. At that time, we received a court decision from the National Labor Relations Board that made Ford Motor Company stop beating up people to stop them from having a union. The United Auto Workers was first begun around 1935 and they had a great victory over General Motors in 1937. Almost everybody who studies labor history knows that. They also know that eventually the United Auto Workers was able to organize all of the auto production in the United States and all the parts and several other categories of unions. But they don't necessarily know that people had a hard time organizing the Ford Motor Company. Well, at that time in Dallas, in East Dallas, there was a gigantic Ford assembly plant. It was still there in the 1960s, and some of the buildings are still there over in East Dallas on Grand Street, I believe. Well, what happened in Dallas that was so important had to do with a fellow named Stanley C. Perry. Stanley C. Perry was also known as Fats Perry because he was kind of a big guy. He was a goon. In fact, he was hired by the Ford Motor Company explicitly with other hoodlums to beat up more than 50 people who were interested in joining the United Auto Workers. They beat people up, they broke bones, they worked with the police, and they worked with the Dallas Morning News to keep the union out. The United Auto Workers, of course, was the spearhead of the Committee for Industrial Organizing, the CIO. They weren't the only union that tried to organize in Dallas and ran into Fats Perry and his goons. The cap and millinery workers, those are the people who made hats, also had trouble. The journeyman plumbers, the steam fitters, and other union uh, labor organizations that tried to organize in Dallas were also stopped by these hoodlums. Of course, it wasn't just in Dallas. The Ford Motor Company had a what they called an outside squad and an inside squad consisting of hoodlums keeping the union out all over the United States. But what made Dallas so unique was this. Fats Perry lost his job. For some reason or another, the management at the Ford plant in Dallas laid Fats Perry off. I guess what happened was that there just weren't enough people to beat up. And so Fats Perry ran out of a job. So he, like any other worker at that time in 1940, 
he walked into the office of the National Labor Relations Board and said, I, sh I just lost my job and I shouldn't have lost my job. So what they asked him, what was your job? Well, I was supposed to beat people up to keep them out of the union. <laughs> so Fats Perry gave a lot of information to the National Labor Relations Board and they made a decision on August the 8th, 1940. And part of that decision was this. They said the respondent, which is the Ford Motor Company, they are ordered to cease and desist from espionage, violence, disrupting public meetings or gatherings, and compelling employees to contribute to support towards support of anti-union campaigns. So the Ford Motor Company was ordered on August the 8th in 1940 to stop all of the beatings, all of the espionage, and all the other dirty tricks they were using to keep the union out. The United Auto Workers, of course, then had a free hand to go ahead and ask the workers if they would really like to join a union, and they certainly did. And in 1941, the Ford Motor Company was, was finally organized. That happened in Dallas. The National Labor Relations Board attorney was Nat Wells. I got to see Nat Wells because he was the very first recipient of the Labor's Hero Award from the Dallas AFL-CIO. Let me tell you some other famous things that happened in Dallas because of Dallas. The AFL and the CIO joined together in 1955 and they started to charter central labor councils that's a local version of the AFL-CIO. And the very first one they chartered was Dallas, Texas. The charter's on the wall over at the AFL-CIO office in Dallas. That's another time that Dallas took a leading role in the national labor movement in the United States. Another thing that came about was because of Pancho Medrano. Pancho Medrano was born and raised in Little Mexico, which is over by Pikes Park in Dallas. Pancho Medrano was a good friend of mine. And these things, by the way, were written by another good friend of mine, Roy Evans, who wrote a really good description of the Ford fight, and he was also friends with Pancho Medrano. They were both members of my union, which is now called UAW Local 848 in Grand Prairie. But in Poncho's day, he joined Local 390, I think. And later on, when LTV Corporation was formed, they started a UAW Local 893. Poncho was in that. And then eventually, I believe it was in 1962, they formed UAW Local 848 by putting these other union locals together into one. Pancho Medrano was a boxer. And because he was such a tough guy, they made him the sergeant at arms in the union. Back in those days, unions were kind of rough and tumble, and sometimes people had to be thrown out. So naturally, if you had a champion boxer in your union, You'd want him for sergeant-at-arms. 
This was found out by the national leadership of the United Auto Workers. They came and met with Pancho Medrano and said, this would be a great guy to direct our civil rights activities. So Pancho Medrano of Dallas lived in Pikes Park. Pancho Medrano became the outspoken leader of the civil rights arm of the United Auto Workers. That means he was on a personal relationship with people like Dr. Martin Luther King, Cesar Chavez, and others. In fact, Pancho delivered a big pot of money to start the United Farm Workers of America. He brought the money to Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta out in California. The money came from the UAW, and that's how they got the United Farm Workers started. But that's not the story I want to tell you. Going back a long time, the government played a generally a really bad role in labor relations. And here in Texas, their role was just plain awful. I told you a while ago that the Dallas police cooperated with the hoodlums at the Ford Motor Plant. And that's uh, well established by Nat Wells, the attorney. Pancho went with the farm workers down in the valley one time. They were out picketing and the, they were attacked among other people, they were attacked by the Texas Rangers. Now, I know that everybody thinks the Texas Rangers are some kind of heroes, but they were major union busters. That's what they did. And they went into the picket lines down in South Texas and beat up people. And one of the people they beat up was Pancho Medrano. Pancho, of course, had the United Auto Workers behind him. They have a really great legal department. So they sued the Texas Rangers, and specifically the captain of the Texas Rangers who had done, who had led the forces that were beating up the farm workers. This lawsuit went all the way to the Supreme Court and won. And I believe, I say this all the time and nobody's ever corrected me, I believe that from that time, from 1962 on, that the Texas Rangers no longer were used as union busters. So, if you're from Dallas and anybody asks you about labor, you have a lot to be proud of because labor has a brilliant history in Dallas. Great things happened here. This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra.